It's not a product, it's a technology. It's an education challenge. A regenerative suspension? There will be a growing demand for industrial photovoltaics. Tom Tiger. Innovation in the financing space. The high-speed train is in all our interests. All political lines. Australia is a solar paradise. The market is moving much faster than that. You've got something that's transformational. Solar window in a can. Beyond Zero. Global warming science, solutions and action. Taking it to a do-it-yourself level. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Beyond Zero Show, recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne, syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast on the internet at bze.org.au and 3cr.org.au, whichever podcasting app you choose to use. G'day, my name is Anthony Daniel and joining me today is someone from IHS. IHS is a global research and strategy firm providing expertise in a variety of industries. Sam Wilkinson is a manager of the Power and Energy Group. He was leading the research into PV inverters, balance of system costs and energy storage markets. And he joins us from, is it London, Sam? Uh, very close to London, Anthony. Uh, I'm, I'm based in a small town called Northampton, which is about um, an hour north of London. Okay, fantastic. And, uh, you know, it's uh, obviously a massive research organisation you work for. Uh, can you tell us a bit about your own background and, and how you uh, got to be where you are? Yeah, of course. So, um, yeah, IHS is, is indeed a huge company. Uh, I think we currently have uh, about 8,500 employees across something close to 50 countries, I think. And we provide information, analytics and expertise across pretty much every single industry that you can think of. For me personally, I've been heavily involved for the last seven years in our solar research. I've worked in most areas of, of the research practice, and we now have around about 20 analysts across the whole team covering solar and now expanded into energy storage as well. So we do a, a huge range of different things. We look at the module supply chains of solar panels. We look at polysilicon, which is part of the the materials that make up those panels, and uh, we, we also look at things like inverters, overall solar demand, as well as policy, uh, and then energy storage is something that we've added over the last two to three years, and it's a really exciting part of the research. My, my background in particular, I went to university here in the UK, uh, studied engineering, worked essentially as a structural engineer for, for two years. Uh, and, and was just fascinated by the idea of going into renewable energy, helping businesses with their strategies and understanding such a, a dynamic industry that, that changes so quickly and so often. So I, I've been here for seven years, as I said earlier, and, and I now um, manage a, a pretty big proportion of, of the research that we do. And, um, but I'm very, still very directly involved with our customers and the market as well. It's amazing to think, you know, a lot of people who start out as engineers go in and do something related. That that definitely is informed by their engineering background. Has your background in engineering informed uh, the job you do now? Well, these industries and these markets, whilst they are economically driven and in some cases there's factors other than economics that drive renewable markets or clean tech markets, Obviously, technology is a big part of it, and understanding how technology is changing and how technology is evolving, that has a big impact on, on the overall direction and evolution of the market as well. 
obviously that's that's the key reason but as an engineer and trained as an engineer you obviously have a, a natural appetite for understanding the latest technologies um, but somehow for me applying that in, in more of a business sense than just a pure theoretical sense and practical sense just was the key thing that, that made me move into this more analytical and, and, and eventually management role rather than just pure engineering. Fantastic. And when you speak about IHS's customers, uh, who are they? I mean, when I was on your website, I, I saw the, the dreaded subscriber article um, all over the place, which meant that I couldn't get through the paywall. What is, <laughs> who are your customers and how do they, uh, they utilise your services? Uh, so IHS's customers are, are a pretty huge range, but the sort of bulk of it is some of the biggest companies in the world. So I think the, the latest statistic that I saw was that we're now selling to 80% of the global Fortune 500. So, you know, basically nearly all of the biggest companies in the world are IHS customers, and they spend a pretty significant amount of money getting their hands on information that drives the biggest decisions that they make and the most important decisions that they make. So across IHS, for example, we have, we have a huge energy team that, that tracks things like the the electricity pricing and, and the development of the energy market in, in pretty much every country in the world. We also have a huge economics practice and country risk practice that allows customers to see exactly what their risk profile would look like if they're setting up businesses or running businesses in particular areas of the world as well. And that goes down not just to, to sort of basic economic things, but also terrorism risk and, 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 and general risk of other things as well. So it, it's a huge and incredibly diverse company. And the other thing to mention is, you know, as well as those big companies as well, we're also working with some of the smallest most innovative startups as well. And, and in energy storage, that's particularly relevant. Our customers include some of the most exciting new battery chemistry companies, uh, right through to some of the biggest, most established industrial electronics companies that are either providing conversion technology or established battery technology in, into this industry. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, let's get let's get to the meat of the interview. And obviously, you discuss a lot or research a lot of, across the business, but storage is the most exciting part of the industry at the moment, as you mentioned. And just to maybe to put things in context to start, how is it that our grids are set up right now in a way that can guarantee that when demand is 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 set, it, it is met? How how does it happen right now? Well. I don't know if it, it makes sense to talk about right now because right now is a, is a transition. But you know, if we talk about what what that transition is, so up until say ten years ago, you know, the electricity grid was designed in a very simple way. You had very large scale generation in most cases um, that was done by conventional methods, and the flow through the electricity grid was pretty simple. It, it was one directional through the transmission lines, and then fed through distribution networks to the end users. And what is changing, and, and it's changing very quickly in some regions, more slowly in others, is that, uh, you know, and Australia is a great example, is that there is a huge amount of small-scale generation now happening at the other end. You know, whereas the consumers were nearly always just consuming electricity, they're now looking at generating their own electricity and, and even 
feeding it back into the grid. So all of a sudden, we now have this almost sort of two-way flow through the network because a huge amount, particularly at certain times of the day, you know, I think that the most extreme example was, was in Germany, where on a certain Saturday or Sunday in the, in, in the middle of summer, obviously most people are outside enjoying the good weather, very little demand for electricity at that time. Uh, and, and Germany is like the, the biggest solar market in the world in terms of installed capacity. And the vast majority of it is on people's homes and businesses. So obviously a lot of electricity being generated, very little demand for it, and it's all being put straight into the grid. Uh, and at that sort of given moment or that given hour around midday on, on a certain day in Germany uh, last summer, I think it was 50% of electricity at, at that time was being generated by solar. And that's a huge proportion, and, and the networks are just not set up for it. And the ultimate result in Germany that day was that wholesale electricity prices actually fell below zero, so you have negative electricity pricing. And that's obviously just a completely unsustainable model for, for the utilities and all involved. This is what is ultimately driving this really strong interest in energy storage across the board, really. Being able to absorb that excess electricity that, that's being put into the network and use it at times where it, when it's needed rather than just when the sun is shining or, or, the, or the wind is blowing. And it's a real problem for, for utilities, as you can imagine, because conventional generators that provide what we would normally um, describe as base load, so load that is pretty much turned on and doesn't fluctuate too much. It's very difficult to, to turn them on or off or ramp them up or down to allow for this unpredictable load that's coming from, or this unpredictable generation that's coming from renewable generators. And that's really the fundamental thing that's driving this interest in storing electricity. You know, there are a whole bunch of storage technologies that, that we talk about on the show from, you know, large scale like pumped hydro or, or solar thermal all the way to, to batteries in our buildings and vehicles. What is the difference fundamentally, do you think, between some of those larger scale technologies and you know, the behind the meter technologies that, that a battery may, uh, may fulfill? Yeah, so, so the thing that the big problem, obviously, historically, pumped hydro or compressed air have been the, the sort of favoured or talked about um, large-scale storage technologies. And, and, and essentially, they, they can reach, on a large scale, they can reach a, an attractive price point in terms of dollars per kilowatt hour stored. But when you think about the rate at which wind power and solar power fluctuate, those kind of technologies can deliver very large amounts of energy over large amounts of time. They can't be quickly turned on or off or you know, compensate for the kind of fluctuations that you would see in a typical wind or solar generation pattern. And that's what's really kind of driving the industry more towards batteries because batteries can act instantly. They can ramp from absorbing a huge amount of power to injecting a huge amount of power incredibly quickly. One of the examples that's been talked about in the solar industry a lot over the last few years is in Puerto Rico. So the fluctuations of large-scale solar plants in, in the grid there causing huge problems with instability in the grid. And they've introduced a regulation that essentially limits how quickly the output of your solar plant can change in terms of megawatts per minute. And what people are doing now is introducing putting things like flywheels and batteries at the grid interconnection point and that will 
basically compensate for those fluctuations and smooth the output by absorbing power when the output of the plant is increasing too quickly or injecting power when it's decreasing too quickly. And that's something that, that something like pumped hydro could, just could not possibly do. And it wouldn't make sense to put a pumped hydro plant with one single PV system because the scales are just, they just don't match at all. Um, yeah, that, you know, and obviously that what 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 I'm talking about here is is all utility side of the meter, compensating for the grid and on a sort of wider scale. But you know, when you're talking about people now being interested in putting batteries in their homes because they're interested in providing more of their electricity through solar, or it's cheaper for them to provide their own electricity through solar than it is to buy it through the grid, then batteries just make perfect sense because. There's no way that you can obviously do that on a on a, with a large scale technology like pumped hydro. Yeah, I mean the, the thing is about I guess when with small scale storage is that you have the ability to to scale up and scale down at a at a rate that doesn't really not just in I'm not just talking about the the rate and of discharge and charge but also of just of capacity like if you want to encourage more storage because you need it you can pump that up and in smaller increments than we, than you would if you would have to build a massive new facility. Yeah, exactly. Batteries are transportable, easily changeable, very modular, very scalable, uh, very flexible. There's a huge amount of things that can be done with them that, that just you know, can't be done with something like pumped hydro, which takes several years to plan and execute. And, and whilst it serves a huge purpose, um, it, it's, you know, it's not addressing many of the problems which exist today. You've spoken a lot at the moment about, you know, about the charging and discharging into the grid and, and all that. When a lot of people think about batteries and, and, you know, I guess a lot of the interest of batteries and storage is the fact that people want to contribute to a, a cleaner energy world. And this is a way for them to do that. But a lot of people also talk about getting off the grid entirely and giving it and giving them nothing. What is what is your general thoughts on the, the role of storage and and should people be using it to get off the grid or, or does it have a greater effect if it stayed connected? I can completely understand people wanting to be off the grid. Whether it could ever make economic sense to be completely removed from the grid is questionable because the amount of storage that you would need to have a secure supply of power year-round when obviously you don't generate as much solar electricity, for example, in the winter... I struggle to see that making economic sense, but I completely understand the sort of emotional idea behind it and, and why people would be prepared to pay an increased amount in, in order to do that. Becoming more self-sufficient but remaining connected to the grid for you know to meet your the demands that your solar can't meet, then then yeah, that that's starting to make even economic sense in some places. But there is an emotional idea which again is attractive about it. I'd probably not explain that very well, but just to give you some examples, you know, in Australia, um, Germany, the UK, there is starting to be an economic argument for it being cheaper to generate solar and store it, uh, and that is, um, you know, makes more economic sense for the consumer than to buy all of their electricity from the grid. Uh, and the more that they can increase their consumption of the, what they generate on the solar side, the better off that they are in terms of what their total expenditure is going to be over 20 years.
I just wanted to move on and, and just uh, remind everybody we are on the Beyond Zero show and we're speaking to Sam Wilkinson from IHS, who are a, uh, a research organisation who, who look at, well, in, in Sam's case in particular, the, the power and storage markets. And I was wondering if we could move on to just where the demand is at the moment for, for storage devices. Are, are people who have PV currently the, the, the most likely people who want to take this up? Okay, so storage is in demand in, in a huge range of different segments. If we talk specifically about putting batteries in your home alongside solar, then behind the meter in the home, the majority of these systems are happening with solar. And it's nearly always to increase the amount of the solar that you generate, how much of that you can consume. So people don't want to inject their power into the grid. Like once they're generated, they want to use it themselves. And that's either an emotional thing or it uh, just makes better economic sense to do that. And, and the countries where we see the most um, of this happening is in Japan uh, and Germany. So Japan, it's more about backup and security because they have a very unstable grid following the, the natural disaster there a few years ago and the nuclear shutdown. In Germany, it's more about economics and just basically it's so much cheaper to generate solar electricity in Germany with the feed-in tariff set at about 12 cents per kilowatt hour versus a retail electricity rate of about 30 cents per kilowatt hour. Um, So people are just generally interested in using solar more and more to provide as much of their power as possible. But storage is also being used in like commercial buildings and businesses. Uh, Again, Japan is one of the major markets there, but also in the USA, the way that their electricity tariffs are structured, it makes a lot of sense to use a battery to, to shave peaks in your in your load profile, and you can make huge savings on your electricity bill um, by adding a battery into a commercial building. And then they're also being used in, in countries like the USA, uh, Japan, in much, much larger scale in, in the grid to, to do things like frequency regulation and, and ancillary services to the grid as well. So huge amount of different regions, different types of systems that, that storage is being used in. Yeah, and in Australia, obviously, I guess a similar situation with Germany where there is that big differential between the feed-in tariffs that people can can get versus what they would pay if they were getting energy from the grid. But would you see... Yeah. Do you see the, the main use case of people using storage in, in order to avoid consumption from the grid, or are there some or some cases where people can take advantage of spikes in a wholesale price to pump stored energy out? Yes. So there are places where that's happening. It requires certain policies to be in place to allow people to trade at wholesale, which isn't possible in every country. You know, I'm aware of examples in Australia. There's a company called Reposit Power, which is is doing a similar business model to what you've described, where the battery isn't just being used to increase their solar consumption, but it is you being used to trade uh, and take you know take advantage of the fact that in Australia wholesale electricity prices vary really quite significantly, and you can buy at, at low prices, sell at higher prices. You know, there is an argument. You know, whilst that is really interesting right now, and I don't see that changing in the near or, or even sort of medium term, but there is an argument that as more and more people do that, that you will actually prevent the wholesale price from from fluctuating in such a, a big way, and and it that would then impact on the business case of, of all the existing systems. Um, yeah, that so is very interesting. It, it we actually spoke to the gentleman from Reposit Power um, not long ago on the show, and I asked him that very question. 
they said that they don't see it as an issue yet because of the volumes they're dealing with. But I guess uh, efficient market theory would say it has to happen. Yeah, absolutely. The um, so the more extreme example is in the USA. There's a particular section of the US network called PJM. It's in the northeast of the country. And there, they've introduced a scheme where batteries can participate in frequency regulation. And because of the greater performance that, that batteries can provide, they get paid a premium. And the business case really, really works. It's very attractive. But it's a merchant market. And um, you, you, know, you bid into the market every day. And at the moment, batteries can get a premium. And it, it really makes a lot of sense. But there's a huge pipeline of projects now in that network a company called Alivo recently announced that they were going to do several hundred megawatts of batteries, a lot of which will be in that network. There's already several 20-megawatt flywheel projects. And essentially what I'm getting at is very soon we see on the horizon a point where there's almost the batteries are already kind of saturated the market, and there's no way that those batteries will be able to continue to get that premium when they bid into the market each day. And, and essentially... You know, they're going to depress the price and potentially there's a danger that if many more batteries are added, then the business case for the, all the systems that have been done could be damaged. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and uh, you also do a lot of work on the, you know, the balance of system costs. And one of the things about PV is, is the fact that, you know, you still have to get on a roof and install the panel. So the installation costs or the balance of system is probably taking up a bigger proportion of the cost of installing solar panels than it used to, because of course, the panels themselves are coming down in price. What are the differences you, you would see with storage? If, if it's something that you can just wheel into a, into a utility room and plug in, it, it, it wouldn't be as high, would it? Yeah. Right now, because it's such a new technology, um, the inverters have to be different depending on how they're installed um, and it's quite low volumes, then, then there is obviously a pretty big premium in many of the components and the installation. As volumes increase, you know, natural learning curves will, will, will take place and, and we'll definitely see prices evolve and, and many of the costs re removed from the system. You know, one of the things I think is it will also help with that will be standardization. At the moment, there's very few kind of standard products that one supplier can go and buy several hundred of these and, and go and install them. Every system tends to be different. But, you know, obviously, I think we'll move to more standardized building blocks that, that will allow for much bigger economies of scale and, and installers replicating those installations. So. I see a lot of costs to be able to come out of, of nearly every segment of the energy storage industry. We've already seen battery costs fall very, very significantly over the last year or two, and, and we see that continuing throughout 2015 as well. Yeah, and that's a, probably a good a good way to, to bring in the, the, the topic of the moment, which of course is, is Tesla, and it really is it really hits on both of those things you just mentioned, doesn't it? The standardisation, they're obviously a big company with a big reach, and they've also been very open with, with others' use of their patents, so they may be in a situation where they could drive a lot of the standardisation, and they've also been unprecedented driving down in costs. So do you have any comments on, on, on what they've done in, in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, so I mean, the, the Tesla announcement is huge for the industry in terms of raising the profile of energy storage in the home. And one of the things that they've done, as you've rightly pointed out, is, is standardize things a little bit. You know, their, their model's quite clear that they've got a very select number of 
kind of building blocks that you can use to build up pretty much any system that you require. And that's a big thing. In terms of price, yeah, what they've announced is certainly industry-leading right now. You know, we do see other technologies getting there, but obviously the scale that they've got via their Gigafactory is going to be a key thing that's going to allow them to, to be leading the industry in terms of cost. One of the things that, that I would sort of highlight, though, is, that isn't that clearly talked about is that this the one that's gained the most attention, obviously because it's mostly aimed at consumers, is this the, the Powerwall, the 10-kilowatt-hour Powerwall product. And the one thing that, that, that sort of overlooked a little bit is that battery is only designed to provide 50 to 100 cycles per year in order for it to, to maintain its 10-year warranty. You know, so that's going to work for, for backup applications and, and providing power when the lights go out. But what it's not going to be able to do is work alongside solar on a daily basis to allow you to use all of your solar power uh, and not uh, export it to the grid. Because you, you realistically need to be able to cycle that battery every single day to do that. So it is really right now that 10 kilowatt hour product, the one that's mostly talked about, aimed at backup rather than, than sort of working alongside solar. There is a, a smaller 7 kilowatt hour product, which is capable of cycling more often, but the price is a bit higher on that as a result. And that price isn't as far below today's prices as the, um, the 10 kilowatt hour product. That's interesting. That's a uh, that's a very small that. uh, detail that probably a lot of people wouldn't have thought. They probably thought of thought they could have installed that and used it in in the, in the matter you you in the way you talked about where you would want it to, to store your solar for nighttime use. And if you can only do yeah. it fifty to hundred times a year, that's that's not going to be possible. We've only got a well a couple of minutes left, but it'd be good, good to talk about some of the uh, the software or the interesting business solutions um, that are coming out for, with with software at, at the centre of them in order to get better use of this 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 solar uh, and this storage that's coming through. We've got uh, Reposit Power where we talked about that are aimed very much at the consumer that may be able to then tap into the wholesale market and and uh, and go that way. We've also got a, a number of other players. We spoke to this group called Sunverge that talked about. Um, actually using their software on the utility side in order for utilities to install storage across their grid and for things like frequency regulation and, and, and backup. It's interesting to see that while people think about the economics of storage being entirely based on an individual buying a battery and then being having to go into the market in the same way they do now, these guys are using software to, to create these new business models that could probably make batteries a lot more economic a lot more soon. Are there any others out there that, that, that are doing interesting things that you wanted to highlight? Yeah, um, so I'm possibly not going to directly answer your question here, but, but I think this, this whole topic is fascinating. And, and ultimately, I see this is probably one of the ways that the industry will evolve. So, so there's a couple of things that are important here. The first thing is there's a lot of different types of companies involved in the storage market. You've got battery manufacturers, you've got the conversion manufacturers, so, so inverters, and, and, and the other sort of major part of that is the software guys, because what storage needs to do is actually really quite complex. It needs to react to a lot of things. Uh, it could be power pricing, solar consumption, local demand for electricity, demand for power on the grid. And there's a lot of different that are happening or, you know, you're responding to a frequency regulation signal. And, and that's really quite complex. 
So the battery and the inverter on its own is worthless if it can't respond to some very complex inputs from a lot of different sources. And that's why the software side of this is, is really quite complex and extremely important. And it's why companies like Reposit, Sunverge, in, in the USA and probably some of the biggest and sort of most successful storage companies right now are, are based on in the USA focusing on the commercial um, sector. Uh, companies like STEM or Green Charge Networks, where they've got very interesting business models because they're offering storage to customers with no upfront cost, and they're, they're doing it through like a third-party ownership or a lease model. And they're, they're also software suppliers. You know, that's what their IP is, the, the actual software that operates this. And, and they're really connecting the consumer or, you know, the business in this case to the storage via sort of software platform and allowing them to make decisions about how they use their electricity and ultimately save on their electricity bill. And then the next stage on from that, as, as you sort of alluded to, and it's one of the things that Sunverge is doing, is that at the moment what we have is energy storage being installed behind the meter in, in homes or businesses, which benefits the consumer. Then you've got energy storage being installed in the grid to help balance the overall grid or provide services to the grid operators and the utilities. And those two things are happening independently and they're not really benefiting each other. So, you know, they are in some cases, but ultimately they're doing very separate things. What I really see as a potential thing that can happen in the future is that those batteries that are installed behind the meter can provide services to the consumers, you know, in the homes and the businesses where they're installed but they can also be aggregated and used in such a way that they actually can provide services to the grid and to the utilities and the grid operators as well. And the most advanced example that we've seen so far of that is the company that I mentioned earlier, STEM. They have a contract. So STEM basically install batteries in businesses and, and offices and factories that allow customers to, to reduce the peaks in their electricity usage and reduce their their electricity costs in generally in California, but it's starting to make a lot more sense in other regions of the US as well. And what they've done is they've signed a contract with the local utility, Southern California Edison, and they're going to provide 85 megawatts of storage capacity to the utility. Um, and they've got a contract to do that. So they're obviously generating revenues that way. But the batteries are all installed in businesses and at the same time will provide services to the, to the customers behind the meter as well. It's just they're being aggregated to, to provide that bigger service to the utility. And I really see that as a, as a potential future for the industry where the revenues that the storage generates are both on the utility side and by providing benefit to the, to the customer behind the meter as well. And that is completely reliant on software. Um, you know, aggregating storage in that kind of way. This is happening in smaller ways as well. We've seen examples in Germany, you know, Sunverge, as you mentioned as well, um, in the US and Australia. Uh, and, and I see this as a really exciting kind of place that storage can go in the future. Fantastic. Well, we'll have to leave it there. We've run, we've run out of time. Uh, but uh, thanks for, for joining us today, Sam.
No, no problem. Thanks very much, Anthony. I hope, I hope my answers were were clear and that uh, that it was interesting for people to listen to. Oh no, we've got a fantastic insight into what's going on, and uh, it is. It seems like you're doing fantastic work on making sense of it all because it's it's. There's always seems to be a new name, a new company out there to look at. It must be great to to be able to look it over over it and and see some trends. So thank you very much for joining us. No problem at all. The Beyond Zero show is brought to you by the Climate Solutions Think Tank Beyond Zero Emissions. To find out more about what we do, we'll get involved. Visit us at bze.org.au. My name is Anthony Daniel. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.